Welcome to Building Solutions with FAC. During FAC's annual conference, we had the pleasure of sitting down with a series of our most valuable corporate partners to understand the role they play alongside our counties. These partners represent subject matter experts in a wide variety of spaces and can provide essential guidance on some of the biggest issues facing our state today. Let's take a closer look at how these corporate partners are building solutions alongside our counties. Good people of Florida, my name is Jared Grigas and I am live from Florida Association of Counties annual conference in sunny Orlando, Florida. Today I am joined by one of our Platinum Corporate Partners, IEM. I have got Mr. Dave Andrews here, Mr. Gary Scrantz, and Ms. Michelle Jones with me here. Uh, and they're here to uh, talk to us a little bit about IEM and their role with the counties. Uh, so we are going to go ahead and kick it off. Thanks for being here, guys. Thank you. Thank you. Well, I'll just uh, get right into it. Why don't you tell us a little bit about uh, you know what IEM is? Sure, absolutely. Thanks, Jared. We want to thank Florida Association of Counties. Uh, we've been a uh, proud platinum corporate partner with FAC for, I think, going on three years now. So IEM's been in business since 1985. We're celebrating our 38th anniversary this year. Congratulations. Uh, focusing exclusively on emergency management one of the few firms out there that does it. Um, so we're proud to be here and support uh, Florida counties uh, with their emergency management needs. We appreciate you guys. Well, let's zero in a little bit here. Uh, talk, Take me through a little bit how you guys fit in with the counties more specifically. I think uh, uh, the biggest part is going to be uh, back to the emergency management theme, uh, the all-inclusive total solution approach of before, during, and after an emergency event, a disaster. Uh, Florida is prone to hurricanes. Um, I've noticed. Exactly, so, so is Louisiana where I live. But those types of things, after FEMA gets involved, we help the counties to maximize, expedite, and retain federal grant dollars through FEMA. Well, this is really important work, obviously, so you know we appreciate you guys, and you certainly picked the right place for it, obviously. This past year, you know, we saw Hurricane Ian and Nicole and stuff like that. What are what are some of the uh, the lessons you guys learned from that, and what are some of the takeaways? I'm going to go to uh, Michelle Jones, who works in our state and local response and recovery, and has the most hands-on experience with that piece. So, M Michelle. Yeah. So um, with with the hurricanes in the last year. Um, we have been able to support the Florida Division of Emergency Management and providing staff augmentation um, within the EOC, within some counties during uh, the actual hurricane and then also the follow-up um, assistance trying to connect residents that were impacted with services that are available um, and then also working directly with the counties as, as Dave mentioned to um, provide support for some of that FEMA reimbursement as Everyone's just trying to get recover and get back on their feet. Thanks, Michelle. What are some of the, uh, I guess, proactive approaches that you guys can help out with and that some counties hopefully learn from? Sure. So um, my side gig at IEM is that I am still the director of state and local preparedness. And uh, the most recent work that our team has been doing here in Florida has been uh, continuity of operations planning which we assisted Sarasota County in updating their coop plan. Uh, we also assisted the city of Clearwater 
and then the other project that we have currently ongoing is we're working on a threat hazard identification and risk assessment for Jacksonville. I think it's not just the city but the Jacksonville area um, and so we, we assist people with planning. Uh, we've done a little bit of training work here in Florida as well recently and um, then where they ask us to, we'll come in and help them run an exercise to test the quality of their plans, the validity of the training that they've had, and help prepare them for the next the next actual response that they have to deal with. Thank you, Gary. Now, Michelle, I'm going to single you out here for a second. Uh, as I understand it, you have a history as a county emergency management director. Uh, take me through that a little bit and kind of what are some of the lessons you learned there? Yeah, absolutely. So um, I actually started in Brevard County on the beautiful Space Coast, the most activated emergency operations center in the state of Florida, uh, because we activated for every space launch. Um, moved down to Martin County and was the emergency management director there for Hurricane Dorian, which um, almost made landfall. And then, of course, COVID uh, before I moved to IEM. Um, we have had uh, in Florida, we have a great history of emergency management um, and have been working on our concepts of preparedness and messaging to the public and what we've seen with uh, Hurricane Ian and um, how the public has responded is continuing to push those messages of preparedness, continuing to make sure that we are being very clear in, um, in how we communicate is is really important to get folks to understand and, and respond to what we are doing so what we need them to do i think one of the key takeaways with iem is all of the the efforts of preparedness um, making those community connections working through your plans to ensure that all of your response partners um, the, within the county and at the state and federal level understand what your priorities are so that you can you can respond quicker, respond um, faster, and then get back on your feet after the fact. Gotcha. Well, uh, as we wrap up, each of you could uh, just share kind of one thing that uh, I guess our, our membership uh, and, and the counties at large should, should know about you guys and uh, your mission. Sure, I think uh, one piece is that we are a listed vendor with the state term contract. So it's a easier procurement vehicle if they need immediate help and they're yeah. looking for a contract vehicle. That's uh, huge, especially with you know the nature of this sort of stuff. Exactly, because usually when it happens, there's an immediate need. The procurement process sometimes could take months, uh, where if they go through the state term contract and utilize it properly, uh, it's a more efficient, time, uh, timely method to procure the services that they, that they might need. Right, no time for red tape. Exactly. So if I can build a little bit on what Michelle said. By all um, means. One of the things that I think everybody learned this past couple of years, people were planning for the events that they get most often, right? <clears throat> well, unfortunately, uh, any event that people get most often the last couple years was compounded by the fact that there was a COVID pandemic going on at the same time. And people hadn't really planned for two major disasters being in progress. So, yeah, I think certainly we would want to get a message across to everybody that they need to be thinking past what they've traditionally thought of. And I know that this is being pushed 
from Florida Division of Emergency Management is being pushed from FEMA's perspective too. And we've seen a little bit more of it, but having contingency contracts in place because you just don't know when you're going to be overtaxing your staff past the point that they can deal with. You know, normal events we handle really well. And in Florida, as Michelle said, they get to practice it all the time, unfortunately more frequently than many parts of the country. But there's a point at which you need to provide some relief and having a contract in place ahead of time for counties that don't, uh, for response support if you need people to come in and relieve your EOC staff for a little while while they get back on their feet, they take care of their families, whatever, and then you can bring them back in and let your contractor go. Same thing applies on the recovery end, because um, I was telling someone this morning, if you're going to be an expert in the recovery or mitigation fields, you kind of need to be doing that work all the time to right. be up on the latest way that FEMA is treating those grant programs, what they'll, what they'll accept in terms of projects, what they absolutely will not accept in terms of projects. And so having, having pre-vetted some, uh, some contractor support of that type and having that available on an as-needed basis, I think is something that we're certainly seeing more and more communities do, but there are still some who have not done it. And then the same thing can, you know, if you're gonna do something like that, you might as well pre-vet people to provide preparedness support to your county. What we found the most during COVID was the demands on local emergency managers and state emergency managers in terms of plan updates and stuff like that did not decrease at all. What did decrease was the availability of their staff who would normally have been perfectly capable of handling those sure. sorts of things <laughs> to be able to handle those things because they were in the middle of response. And that response just kept going on and kept going on. Right, right. fighting a war on two fronts almost. Right, so we were brought in a lot of cases to do regular plan updates for people that still needed to get done, still needed to be there to serve the community with updated plans. And, you know, being able to reach to people for that and just having that in your hip pocket. And then the one other thing I guess that I'd maybe add that there's been a little bit of em emphasis on, um, is crisis communications. And at least in part, I think that's due to the fact that there's just been so much turnover. Um, we're kind of used to the political players yeah. uh, in, in each local jurisdiction turning over on some level of frequency. What we're not as used to is the amount of turnover that there has been in the past couple of years in the emergency management field and within uh, the public health field and so it takes them a while to get up to speed even if they're coming from somewhere else they still need to get used to what the game is in their jurisdiction right, right. they're practically starting from scratch so. and so in some cases consulting firms like ours are the continuity in a community if we have a long-term relationship with them so that's huge I think what's important, Jared, if I could add to what Gary said, is Florida leads the nation at the county level for having pre-disaster contracts for debris removal, debris monitoring. Almost every county, if not all counties, have those pre-disaster contracts. Having a pre-disaster contract in place for both 
preparing for in advance of a, an event will help you with the response piece, but certainly having a pre-event contract in place for the recovery ultimately will serve you better and help you to retain a lot of those federal funds. And I would add, I um, as an organization, uh, fantastic. We look for really uh, wonderful people who have local experience that are able to continue to help us um, push all these different programs forward. Um, and within the state of Florida, IEM has over 130 staff that have local emergency management, state level emergency management experience. Um, so we have folks that have been there uh, within the county. We've, we have folks that have responded to disasters over the last 10 years. Um, it's got a nice revolving door almost going on there. Yeah, we've, we, we've been there, we know. <laughs> People who are familiar with the terrain makes everything a lot easier, Absolutely. I'm sure. <laughs> Well, I know our counties are very grateful for y'all's expertise, and uh, I am certainly grateful that you were able to join me today. Uh, so, with that being said, uh, we will be signing off here. Thanks, Jared. Appreciate it. Thank Thanks, you, guys. Jared. Thanks, Jared. Good job, all.